Hello and welcome to the second row. My name is Park Kelly and I'm back after a few weeks break just to recharge the batteries and face into this new part of a season. Don't forget you can get in touch with me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at the second row. That's two and D, not the word second. And if you want to send an email, you can at info at the second row.com. As we look forward to the return of rugby this weekend, with me is the head coach of Connacht Rugby, Andy Friend. Hi, Andy. How are you? How is life after lockdown? Yeah, we're, we're returning back to um, the new version of normal, we'll call it that. Uh, we've been back at the sports ground now for, this is week seven, so um, it's been good to get back and it's, it's now good to get into some game mode. It must have been a really exciting time in camp that first week when you came back, just getting to see everyone again. Yeah, yeah, the first week was really odd because we were in groups of seven and there was only um, one on-field coach, which was myself, allowed in and, and everything was at a distance. And so you know, it was it was still uh, very, very odd. Um, and there were long days. We were kicking off at, at sort of seven o'clock in the morning, finishing around seven o'clock in the evening because we had the different groups coming through. So, um, But what it was good, it was good to see fresh faces again. It was good to see how much work the players had put in and um, you know, how they came back, the shape they came back in, which was which was really pleasing and positive. And, and I think for every week that's passed since then, it's just got gradually better. So uh, yeah, it is nice to be back there. How over those weeks did training develop and change? Yeah, well, week one, as I said, was in groups of seven on field. You had a ball, uh, but it had to be socially distant and you could pass between each other. But no coaches could touch. Coaches were 10 metres apart. Week two went into groups of 14. Um, and again, you couldn't touch, so there was no contact. Um, so it is hard running rugby drills when there's no contact and only 14 plays. But uh, we worked our way through that. Week three went to groups of 20 or 21, 22. And we had that for a week. And then we finally came into the squad. Uh, and it was really only then that we're allowed to start to introduce contact. So it's it has been a gradual progression, but compliments to um, to the RFU and to Connet Rugby and all the other provinces on you know taking taking this whole matter very very seriously and making sure that we didn't put players nor staff at any undue risk and we took every precaution that was we were advised to take. So it has been a slow process, but uh, the good thing is we've all come through it cleanly and. So we're in uh, in game week now, and that's that's even more exciting. I bet. Was there anything in that time when you had the smaller groups that you found useful in that one-on-one talking to players that you wouldn't have normally got? Well, that in itself was difficult too because you you weren't allowed to. Um, well, you you could still communicate, but you had to keep your social distance. So it wasn't like no one could come in the office, for example, and everything would be outside and. As you'd appreciate, although we have had reasonably good weather, but um, Galway's not overly conducive to outdoor conversations for lengthy periods of time. So, <laughs> um, but listen, it has been what it's been, mate. And it's, you know, I, I think one of the pleasing things with it is we, we found our own way to get through it. And, and um, I think that's a kind of trait. You, you find a way to get through things. And um, I think we've, we've all uh, come out the other side of, What's been a, a lengthy period. We're still not out of it as a as a as a world yet. Like it's still COVID, still very much here. But we're certainly through what I believe has been um, the toughest bit because it's been the initial bit where you start to get used to it. But we've come out the other side of it in a in a, in a healthy state, and uh, I think better prepared now. Um, 
personally for, for individuals have had a lot of time to self-reflect, which has been good. And I think uh, certainly uh, very appreciative of, of some of the things we had previously and maybe took for granted. And there was a lot of time over the summer, a lot of change over Connacht, even personnel-wise. How did you handle when you weren't able to have those in-room conversations? Because from all accounts, you're a very personable person. You'd love to have done the harder things in person. Yeah, it was tricky. And, you know, I, I think um, it's certainly, I, you know, I, it's never easy for players to to know or to find out that they're not going to be staying on. And, and that was one of the things I think was most tricky about it was that um, when we when we exited uh, the sports ground in early March, certain players had been informed personally, but there are other players that um, were still in limbo, and and that limbo then turned into a definite no because everything went went on to freeze. So you weren't able, as you say, you weren't able to have that personable com- conversation with with a player on a subject that's very personal, and 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 that did make it hard. And you know, as much as you can, try and do things over the phone, and you you're trying to keep people informed there are miscommunications with those things and it it isn't pleasant so that was tricky i think one of the things um one of the the things that um, we did or i do with the players i give them the opportunity to have an exit meeting and and uh, nearly all the players accepted that and that was good because that provides closure so you know there's a range of questions we ask the player and we get their feedback um, for a few reasons one i think it does give the player closure i think secondly it's good for the player to think think about the the things that they've given to the club or the club has given them and the opportunities that they've had and, and how they can take these forward. Um, and thirdly, it provides really pure, uh, clean information for us as a program on things that are either working or that aren't working yet. And you know, it, it, our, one of our one of my quests, one of our quests is is that we get better every day. And the only way you can choose to get better or one of the ways is, is to get honest feedback and, and to ask the questions. So we ask the questions, we get the feedback, and then we can deal with the responses we get from there. And hopefully we are better you know, tomorrow than we were today. That growth definitely is something that you really focus on and talk about quite a lot. What is there anything small that you did yourself over lockdown that you're like, that's something I couldn't do before? Um I think there's nothing that I couldn't do before. I probably wasn't giving myself time not to do it, though. And I, you know, certainly my, um, I'll call it me time, but uh, my, you know, I, I enjoy my walking and my listening to podcasts or talking to family back in Australia or listening to audible books. Um, and certainly through, during lockdown, I would give myself the first two hours of, of every day doing that. So it would be from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock normally. I'd go out on my walk and we had that, you know, that magic run of weather where you could do that. Um, and I just found it really, really enlightening. So, you know, my brain's very fresh because I've woken up from a, a really decent sleep and, and the first thing I'm doing is now engaging in something that's educational and, and uh, in my mind, inspiring. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that that front end of every morning. It was really, really good to be able to do that. Now I'm doing a shortened version now. Um, I leave home normally around about half past six and, and I only walk for half an hour now, but um, I, I'm going to make sure, I, and I reckon it's one of the key things, you know, I think we all picked up some really good habits, probably some bad habits too, if you reflect, but I think there were some really good habits that every individual picked up during COVID um, 
and spend your time slightly differently. I think what's important is you don't lose that. So you may not be able to do it to the fullest extent because you've got you know, different different uh, pressures come on you now when, when you're back at work. But I think being able to capture you know, the, the good things that you got out of that period and, and make sure you add them to your daily routine, I think is really important. That was one thing I certainly I got out of it and I've certainly added to my daily routine. Like I learned how to make brown bread, but that's, you know, a much nicer, healthier way to live your life as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I think yeah, I think everyone's baking skills got slightly better. I, I, uh, I, I got into making scones, and I had a few different recipes, but I've come up with one at the moment. It's probably not the healthiest, but it makes a bloody good scone, and I'm pretty happy with that. You're going to give Johnny Murphy for a run for his money? Ah, uh, listen, he's uh, he's the hungry hooker for a reason. He he's he is um, he's got a real talent. Uh, he got a real talent in the baking. He's got a he's got a brilliant personality where he likes you know making people happy, and um, he does that through his baking as well as just just him being Johnny Murphy. So, no, I won't try and take him on, mate. He's uh, he's another level. <laughs> There's something I've always wanted to ask, and you're in a prime position to kind of know this as an international sevens coach and now coaching Connacht. How do you feel that pathway from sevens to fifteens rugby can work? Because Porchy's in Connacht now, and Ben O'Donnell's is coming in as well. Is that a progression to the fifteen game solid enough yet? I think it is. I, I think the only restriction on it is people's imagination. Um, yeah, you know, I've noticed yesterday Dan Norton's just signed for London Irish. That's a bloody good signing because he's a hell of a footballer. But I think what we tend to do. And, and I'll put myself in this in this category prior to me going into sevens. Um, you know, you look at sevens players, you say, well, it's only sevens. Well, yeah, it's a version of the game of rugby. And it's a very, 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 very skillful and tough game of version to play. And those that play it, um, they're, they're very good rugby players. Now, some of them, um, I believe, are purely sevens players and they're more suited to the sevens game than they are the 15s. But... There's a there's a chunk of them that uh, could easily take those seven skills and the attributes of the game of sevens, which is really about speed and and uh, and fitness and and error free rugby. You could take that into the 15s game if you had a coach um, that was willing to work with you on that. And uh, and I think you'd see some some brilliant um, you know sevens players moving across, which is what the Kiwis do. The New Zealand, you know, I've had countless players who've come through the sevens program and, and have gone on to play for the All Blacks. You look at Caleb Clark at the moment. He, he would have been one of their youngest players a couple of years ago and you know, saw what he did for the for the Blues this year. Rico Ioane, the Ioane brothers, um, you know, the list goes on. There's a chunk of them that do it. Uh, but for, for whatever reason, uh, I think certainly Australia and, and uh, a lot of the Northern Hemisphere teams see them as separate entities and, and don't believe that they have the skill set and all the uh, ability to transfer across, which I think is disappointing. Yeah, and I think in the next 12 months, especially with the Olympics delayed, it would be a hard ask for someone to give up on an Olympics dream as well to join a, a professional club. Um, yes and no. Ben O'Donnell's doing that. You know, ben arrives here next month um, and that's exactly what he's doing because you know he, he had, as, as other players will have done, they will have had their, their four-year plan mapped out COVID arrived and um, they then make a decision. Do I, do I want to 
wait for another season and and uh, and not take up the 15th game or do I want to take the opportunity when it presents itself so everyone's going to be in a different boat there and um, you know the right thing is what's right for them and um, you know I think some of the England players have been forced now to make the change a little bit earlier as have other players uh, and then you've got the likes of Ben O'Donnell who's chosen to do that um, for his own reasons so I don't think there's a right or wrong with that. It's what the player wants and what suits that player at that particular point in time. But um, as much as the Olympic dream is a pretty powerful one, um, you know, these blokes have got their own roadmaps mark, marked out or mapped out. And and, uh, and that's why that's why they're where they are because, you know, most of them have a very strong sense of, of um, purpose and a, and a strong vision on where they want to get to and... and uh, you know, something like COVID may or may not take him off that track. And, so, you know, there'll, there'll be a few that it won't take him off the track. They'll, they'll, if they wanted to go and pursue 15s after July 2020, well, that's what they're going to go and do. And what are the things that lend a sevens player making that leap to 15s or that step across really more than a leap? Well, I think... Um, He's got to have the desire to want to play 15s, and I think for for most uh, rugby players out there, you know, most players were brought up on the 15s game. Um, I think the sevens is a brilliant, um, a brilliant game that sits under the umbrella of rugby. It is very, very different. Um, but first and foremost, you, you know, you've you've got to know the game, which is obvious, uh, and then you've got to be very, very skillful at it. And, and probably one of the other things is you've got to be able to adapt to to a new game. Um, you know, 15's game tends to be a slightly larger body, um, but, you know, for, for these blokes, a lot of the young fellas who, who are playing sevens, they're young, they're young in age and they're young in body maturity and, and with con- with additional training, they're going to only put on lean muscle mass, which which makes them bigger. So... There is a natural progression to that anyway. And then it's about finding the position. So most blokes actually played 15s to start, um, maybe had a, a pathway blocked and then found sevens as another opportunity to represent their country, which they've then gone and done. And if they then want to come back, they'll be heading back to probably the old position that they used to play um, with a brand new set of skills and speed and stamina and and mental toughness because that's what it takes to play sevens. And they're going to be a, a really good version of what they what they uh, what they used to be uh, in the game of fifteen. So, but listen, it comes down to, to answer your question simply. It comes down to the player's desire to do they want to go and play fifteens and try and you know push push their skills in the fifteens man man's game as opposed to just the sevens game. I am like I'm interested in those pathways into professional rugby and six players are making their step to senior rugby in Connacht this year. How are they managing that step up? They've been brilliant. Um, They've been brilliant. If we go through them, you know, Jordan Duggan, uh, he's put on good size over the off season and during the COVID period, and he's come in. He's a he's a big bone man, and he's um, big and aggressive. And uh, he had a knee injury last year. Worked really hard, which is always a good sign when you're looking to recruit blokes. How hard do you work when the when the chips are down? And he, he worked really hard there. So we've got a good one in in uh, in Jordan Niall Murray, Um He's come in. He's put on uh, six kilos of, of really good weight. Um, I think he's a really intelligent rugby player, and he's making inroads um, already. You know, given that's only week six, but he's he's putting his hand up and saying, "I'm available for selection," which is always pleasing. 
Sean Marsham, Shawnee got a cap last year, as did as did Niall, but um, he's another player who he, he probably he's been hampered a little bit by a, a niggling knee this this season. But you know he's he's tough and he's robust, and um, I think he'll add some some real starts to our back row. Uh, Colin Riley at halfback, homegrown boy. Uh, he's very tenacious. You saw what he did in that under twenties, the Island yeah. under twenties game. You know, when 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 they needed to score, who steps up? Colin Riley goes and scores. That's what you want in a footballer. Um, so he's good. Uh, Connor Dean, he, he got a cap a year and year and a bit ago, um, and then sat behind. We didn't give him many opportunities last year, but already you see the growth in him. He's a very very talented footballer. Can take the ball to the line. He's got a kicking game. He's he, he controls the game well. So. You know, he's uh, he's got real potential, and then Pete Sullivan, talking about sevens players, he came out of the sevens program, was playing for Lansdowne, he got his opportunity with the academy, and he's a big, robust young man who, um, you know, we see real excitement with. So, you know, out of the six that we've got this year, there's uh, they've all got their own point of difference and their own weapons that they work on, and and uh, I'm excited for all of them to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of seeing young talent come through and. I watched Niall playing last year and I think he made a real big impact when he was playing and that extra bulk is only going to do and just good service going forward. How do you manage them into the bigger squad? Because as an academy player, they're not always involved. Well, now that they're in our senior squad, they are involved. Um, but even prior to that, like we, we actually have a few other young academy players training with us at the minute and they're getting lots of minutes and lots of reps. Um and I think it's important to involve them. I think one of the one of the things we're trying to do here at Con at the moment is um, we know we need to compete as a 23 every weekend, but one of the ways we can do that is to make the whole 44 or 43 better as well as the academy. Um, so we're mixing up our, our training schedule. Um, we've gone from a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday schedule to a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday um, having the Thursday off into a Friday, and we're calling those three days. Uh, the Monday is an installation day, the Tuesday is a development day, and the and the Wednesday is what we call an exploration day. And they're all very different modes of coaching and, and very different modes of putting pressure or putting uh, information into the players. So, and it, it's done for a, a very clear and distinct reason, and that is we we want to we want to see growth across the whole of the of the squad. Um, because we know what we're going to get coming come the season, we're going to get injuries, and we can't be a team who's 25 men deep. We've got to be a team who's 43 men or 44 men deep. Um, so the, the more we push those blokes and, and make their training uh, stretch them, continue to say to players, comfort and growth don't live in the same room. So we don't want you comfortable on on installation day. Yep, happy for you to be comfortable because we're installing information into you, but on your development day. We want you to be way out of your comfort zone and we're okay with error. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is only a bad thing if you think it's a bad thing. But if you can fail and learn from that, then you're, you're going to be better tomorrow. So we, we give the players very clear instructions as to what we're looking for. We give them opportunity to explore. We give them opportunity to develop. Um, and hopefully out of that, we get a squad of 44 players who are, who are going to uh, take us hopefully to some silverware. Amongst the six academy players, there's seven additional players to the squad this season. Was integrating them a bit more difficult because they wouldn't have known the systems in any way? 
Yeah, it's a little bit trickier, but um, yeah, our systems. Are, I, listen, I think it's one of the, the things that Connor do really well, and it's a compliment to the coaching group that we've got. We've, you know, with Pete Wilkins, Nigel Carroll, and Jimmy Duffy, we've got uh, you know some very experienced coaches there who their messaging is very very clear, and, and we call them big rocks in our in our various areas. So our defensive big rocks um, are clear and obvious. Actually, once you learn them, it's pretty easy to learn them because, uh, yeah, just the way they're, they're, they're drilled to the, into the plays, as are our attacking big rocks and our breakdown and set-piece ones. So the messaging um, is actually very, I'm going to say plain. It's, it's plain in the right way. It's not, you know, the game, you often hear people say it's, it's, a, it's not a complicated game. You can make it a complicated game. But I think the way we sell the messaging or the coaches sell the messaging um, players are very, very clear on, on what's expected of them, what's required of them. So, in talking to you know the likes of Jack Anger and uh, and Sam Arnold, Connor Oliver, those boys who've come in from um, from other programs, uh, it's very clear and obvious to them as to what we're trying to do, and and you know they've they've fitted in really well with that. That's great, and it's great to see how they're settling in. Was it difficult when you're organising the groups at the early stages of training? Did you have to split up all the new players amongst different groups to kind of get them used to being around different people and not let them become a click almost amongst themselves? Well, that was one of the hardest things because you, you pretty much were, you, you couldn't do that for a lot of groups. Like if you had a group of blokes living together, uh, the COVID guidelines suggested that they train together. So as much as you would like to split them up and we have a, we've got a, a group of the young blokes there's five of them live together and, and uh, it would have been really good because most, or in fact, all of those blokes were were either academy blokes coming up or they were, they were new blokes coming down from Dublin. And it would have been great to split them up early on, but, but again, because of the restrictions that we had, we weren't able to do that. So that was probably not the best thing for them and it certainly wasn't the best thing for us. But um, as the... As, as the restrictions or as we move through the protocol and the restrictions got easier week by week, uh, it's been really good to see their growth then with the other players within the squad and they haven't stuck in their clicks, which has been really, really pleasing. So, yeah, I, I think you know, Connard have a very welcoming way of bringing new people into the group. I think it's one of the strengths that they do well and, and I think um, with our leadership group and just with the awareness of the group of making sure that um, everyone's made to feel welcome and you don't stay in your, your own little comfort areas that's happened really well and have they brought a different energy to training that has brought training on a step further yeah i i think um there's there's a there's two ways that the energy's been been increased the first way with youth you've got energy um you know that they, they don't have the fear that that older players may have because they're probably at that stage, of the, you know, it's it's all bright lights and and exciting new frontiers for them. Um, but if you once you've been a pro for a while, you start to realise that the bright lights can dampen pretty quickly, and um, you can have a, a you can have an injury, and that can knock the stuffing out of you, and you you might not get the contract you want, and blah blah blah. So um, just like the youth, you know, in in society, you know, young kids. They got no fear because they don't know what to fear. They haven't had that put in front of them. So I think the youth brings an energy on on its own, which is um, which is something that I think is really important for a squad. Uh, but the second thing is you've got 
young blokes who were turning up, those who are either coming through the academy or those who are coming from other provinces, and they've got something to prove. You know, they're, they're now in front of a, a new set of peers and the way you earn your stripes, you may be a good bloke, which, which gets you so far in a footy team, but what you want is you want your, the blokes around you to say, I want to play with him. I trust him. I trust him on the rugby field. I trust the way he communicates. I trust the way he does what he does. And uh, you want to earn that trust as quickly as you can. So that brings another energy as well. So with those two things, as well as, and this has been the big plus coming out of COVID, we've got all the other players that we've retained. They've come back with new bodies and new attitudes, most of them, where they've understood what they probably was taken away from them and what they were missing, as well as they put the hard work in and they've now got this body that's now four or five or six kilos heavier and they want to show that off. So, you know, they want to challenge that and see who they can who they can bump off now, who can run over the top of, who they can belt and tackle. So all of those things is just you put all that in the in the pot and you've now got a, a really good recipe for energy and, and desire and hunger at training, which is exactly what we've had and hopefully that now takes its own life when we when we head out and play Ulster into Munster in the next two weeks. How do you manage those expectations of players who all think they're worthy of that starting jersey, especially in a situation and we're affected in a second pre-season? Yeah, I think that's one of the trickiest things in the game. It's, you know, every player that comes in, for most of them anyway, when they come in, um, you know, they've been the big fish in, in quite often what's been a reasonably small pond. But, you know, they come in and now they're in a, they're in a much bigger pond and there's a, lot, there's a lot more big fish floating around it. And it's just, to me, it's, it's just being very upfront and very honest with them. Um, and it's not about taking people down a few pegs. It's not about that at all. It's just pointing out the areas of, of their game that are very, very good. And I think you always should start with that. I think you should always try and acknowledge someone's strengths and what we call their weapons. Um, and make sure that you can support them in building those even further. But also then not being afraid to point out these are the things at the moment that, that uh, aren't good yet, and we use that word yet because um, that gives an indication that it, they can be improved and everything can be improved upon. And it's then how we support that player in, uh, in, in building the goals and building the plans that are going to make them better. I will say, though, it, it's not our responsibility that, it, to build those plans. It, it's the player's responsibility. And my message to the player is always, you're the, you're the key master of your, your own destiny. Um, what will be is up to me, is a pretty simple phrase with it. We're here to support you with it. Now, if you choose to leave that lie and not, not push yourself through those barriers and not choose to take the advice that's been given to you, well, that's your choice. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't make you a bad person, but that's your choice. But if you do choose to to uh, to take the advice and to seek out more information and to push yourself into new levels, we'll be right here beside you, making sure that we're we're supporting you the whole way. Um, so it really comes down to the player. Yeah, that must be an interesting challenge because I've trained people in my normal day job, and I've kind of said, "Are you willing?" to put that on say tv or radio and stamp your name name to it and if they can't say yes to me or they go hold on give me a second i'm like fine off you go do that extra bit of work i'm say that's kind of the same for you like you're like here are the tools are you telling me that's the best you've got and if they're saying yes you go brilliant let's have a look at it 
Yeah, I, I think um, you know, and everyone's driven by different things too, and and there's a, there's a myriad of things going on in people's lives, and sometimes someone's life is has things going on that, that will definitely not support them in in being the best version that they could be, um, and it's trying to dig down if they want to let you into that area of it too, and trying to support them with that because it's you know it, there's so many things going on behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the to the want and the desire of the of the individual, you know, we talk about motivation. Motivations, um, having the having the opportunity to be able to do something, having the skill set to be able to do something, and then having the desire to want to do it. Quite often, you've got people who've got the opportunity, they've got the skill set, but they lack the drive to get there, which is fine. But they tend not to last too long in a pro rugby program, and uh, and certainly not at Connaught. You know, that that would be something that we'd be saying, well. You've had these these moments, these opportunities. If, if if you've chosen not to take them, you're pretty much telling us that uh, you're not up for the fight there, which is cool. And we'll still be good mates, and we'll still keep in touch with each other, and we'll we'll say good day when we see you. But uh, you're holding a spot there for someone that might have that, those desires and the skill sets and the opportunities. And there must be a very motivated camp this week, only days away from the first game. Are you really going up through the gears now and is it very easy to kind of see what's going to happen with your guys on the weekend? No, I wish I had that crystal ball, but unfortunately <laughs> I don't. Um, I, what is there, like, you, you know, we only actually came into training today because we've got the Sunday game. So we've been trained as I said at the front end there. We've been training normally a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with Thursday off, uh, Friday game prep into a into a game on Saturday. But because it's a Sunday game, Today was our first day, so and today is what we call our installation day. So it's a pretty low key day, but what you have got, you, you know, you've got a lot of, lot of chitter chat around the around the dressing room. You've got a lot of blokes, a little bit on edge, um, because selections coming up, and uh, you said you've got forty three players. Probably the expectation they're going to be playing, um, and you're going to upset about two thirds of them. So that's pro sport. That's that's life. Um, but listen, I suppose on the whole, they're in a good spot. And I know they're prepared well. Um, we'll see what uh, what gets delivered on Sunday against Ulster. Before lockdown, Connacht were on an upward trend. You know, I think a few games you would have been in that top three, top two. Are you trying to recreate that feeling of we were there or is it a line in the sand that was then, this is now? Yeah, we tend not to look in the rear vision mirror too much. I think it's all about what you're currently doing and you know, and I know from a, a collective group, we've got a desire to win things. Um, we, we haven't got a desire just to be there in the fight. I think we still need a fair bit of work on that. What does that actually mean? What does it look like? Do we actually have that belief in it and uh, everything around what we're trying to do at the moment is to is to give them the belief and give them the understanding um, that uh, you know we can compete. Doesn't matter who it is, we can compete because we've got our own u- unique way of doing that. And we do things slightly different to other people, but um, the way we do it is 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 what we believe we need to do to get a win. So um, we tend not to look back, in all honesty. And I, I think that's a you can you can trip over yourself if you if you just think about it, mate. If you're driving down the road in your car and you've got a big rear vision mirror and you keep looking in that, you're going to crash into something, aren't you? So yeah. don't look in the rear vision mirror. Just keep looking ahead. Every now and then you'll glance up and you'll. You'll have a look at something that's that's just past you, and that's good. It's good to know what you just come past. But what's more important is what lies ahead of you and how you're going to navigate that. And I believe we're 
we're doing that well as a collective group and it's it's how we just keep doing that and getting better every day are you and the coaching team treating the team differently because it's sadly it's only two games for Kong to play and then it's another break so does that change how you're you're working things slightly um you know we we have a mathematical chance to still make a semi but reality is it's going to be tricky so we're not kidding ourselves with that at the same time um you know we, we've got a new squad a fresh squad every year it's a new squad and a fresh squad so uh we want to give people opportunity um, we want to give people opportunity to show us in a real game the gains that they've made during this period so we're, we're looking to select two teams that will go and win those two games of rugby at the same time we're also very conscious of giving people opportunity and we're also very conscious that we've got virtually every man in that squad with a hunger and desire to play for his country and we want to give them the best opportunity to show Andy Farrell and his coaches what they've been doing in a lockdown period and, and hopefully cap, capture their imagination, their eye as well. Have you been looking at Super Rugby and the English Premiership, looking at how the laws have been implemented now? And is that something that you're talking about in camp? Yeah, well, listen, I think everyone's been watching that. Um, you know, everyone's been trying to get their fix on anything that's that's live. And, and uh, we've all seen the Rugby Aotearoa and we've seen the the, the rugby in Australia and, and over the weekend, the Premiership rugby. Um, we also had George Clancy come in and, and uh, do a session with us on, on Friday. We had a, a green v black, uh, so an, an inter, inter-squad game of sorts, um, two or four 15-minute quarters. Um, and George came in and, and refereed it like a game under the new interpretations, which I think was really, really beneficial for our blokes because... There are some adjustments and some recalibration that's needed to take place in terms of off sidelines and entering the gate and, and jacklers coming in over the top and, and so on and so forth. So that will take time as we're seeing with, with you know, all the other codes when they first start up. It, it, you know, it, it was a bit of a shambles to be honest, but that's, you know, that's what you get when, you, when you're changing law or you, you, you're adjusting the interpretation of law. So I, I can't imagine week one's going to be a massive spectacle of brilliant rugby um if you think back to the new zealand rugby week one was was very similar it was very stop start lots of penalties and um you know really piecey sort of rugby but the way it ended up i thought was some of the best rugby i've seen ever i thought it was brilliant a brilliant um stamp for the game that's the way the game should be played now you then watch the premiership on the week and you think what's happened here this is a this is a a rotten game of rugby but again it's going to take time for those blokes to and the referees to to learn to adapt to the new rules so we're going to get or, or new interpretations we're going to get something similar on the weekend i've no doubt about that um but i'll just say that's part and parcel of new law interpretations and and players having to it, recalibrate and don't expect the prettiest game but uh, understand it's week one and it's only going to get better from here but that's it it's, you have that normal rustiness of not playing for so long in addition to a completely new or correct way to ref the breakdown yeah and i think that's it I, I you know i think that's one of the biggest things that has come out of it it's they're actually not new laws they're just law, new interpretations of it i i've banged on um for some time about the tackler releasing the tackled player because if you don't get that you now don't have a clean ruck and that was one of the biggest things that i learned in sevens rugby sevens rugby is a lot easier to manage that because you've got fewer bodies piling up so you see very very clearly the tackler 
um, tackling the, the ball carrier and then you see very clearly whether he releases him or not. If he doesn't release him, which is law, when, when you have, have uh, completed the tackle, you must release the tackle player and get out of the way. When you don't, it's a penalty against you. But watch any game of 15s rugby last year before these new laws brought in. You know, the, the, the ability of the, the tackler to slow down and affect the speed of the ball is incredible. Um, you know, and, and the argument always used to come back to me, yeah, but you're still getting the ball. I said, yeah, but not at the speed I want it, nor, nor that I'm allowed to get it. And, and the game of rugby is all about preserving time and space for, for, the, for the attacking team. The team with the ball's king, in my opinion. And the team without the ball, you've got to do everything under law to get the ball off them. But don't slow them down at the breakdown to give yourself more time to get yourself set to launch another lot of defence at them because that's shooting. I think the, the jackal change as well, if you're like literally trying to rip the ball, you winning the penalty will kind of help the type of players we have in camp like... Bundy likes to get over the ball. Jared likes to get over the ball. Dennis Buckley likes to get over the ball. You know, it's they're those type of players that this should, should suit. Yeah, listen, we've got a we've got a chunk of players. Um, Connor Oliver's come in; he's going to be very good at that. Sam Arnold's actually very good at that. Yeah, we've got a range of players: Dave Heffern and you know, Johnny Murphy, Shane Delahunt. We've got a range of players who are very very good at that. So it will be good for us. But again, just for the game, you don't want to see the ball caught in a ruck, right? No one pays money to go and see that. You pay money to see the ball spread. So if you've got a a defending player who's arrived ahead of an attacking player who's now doing a positive movement to pull the ball out of the ruck, well, give him the penalty. He's, He's trying to get the ball out of the place we don't want it to be. But why? So last year, though, he had to cop, he had to, you know, survive three clean outs. And if he's still had a shoulder and neck, and then he, he might get a penalty. But you know, we're putting the player in harm's way and we're not rewarding him for doing what we all want to do, which is to see the ball in play. So I think that's that's one of the great new interpretations of it. If someone arrives there and he's actively trying to get the ball up to get it out of the place no one wants to see it in, well, give him a, give him a penalty. Um, so I'm really, really pleased to see that new law come in and I'm really pleased to see the law around the tackler releasing the tackle player. And then the last one there is is around that offside line. You know, keep people onside. Um, there's not a lot of space out there anyway. Keep people onside and make sure they're not jumping the gun. If they do, penalise them. They do it again. Penalise them again. If they do, put them in the bin. And I can tell you now, as soon as if we use those yellow cards uh, with a bit more gusto, you will see behaviours change. You know, it's a bit like driving a car, mate. If, if you drive down the road and you're meant to be doing 50 and you're doing 60 and no one pulls you up, you're going to stay doing 60. But if you cop a ticket... Next day, you might be doing 55, you cop another ticket. Well, I promise you now, you ain't going to be doing it again. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think it's only going to make the game better. And like you said, Super Operator showed what could happen. So we'll just do one more look to the weekend and I'll let you go because I know you're you're about to rush off. Is it just a really good feeling just to kind of go, this is what we want to do every day and it's great to just be back even from you as a personal perspective, not just a team. Yeah, it is. But we're back in, like, it's still very different. Like, we can't have team meetings, for example, and, um, you know, you, the corridor chats that you have and the, um, you know, a lot of the interaction that we used to have and just consider as normal is not there now. So it is very different. It's still, it, listen, it's brilliant to be back, but it's every day there's, slight compromises and adjustments being made in in the way we used to do things. It doesn't mean that the way we used to do things was the best way to do it, but there are certain things there that 
I wish we could get back to like you know team meetings like I suppose just the the connection that we used to have as as as, as a team when you come in and there's handshakes and there's you know there's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of carrying on about you know things that happened on the on the game or things that you'd seen clips that had come up or whatever it is um, so it is it's, it is different but but I tell you what it is it is nice to be back playing rugby and, and knowing that we've got a week ahead that there's going to be a competitive game at, at the end of the week against an opposition who um, you know we want to beat even if it is in an empty stadium yeah that's going to be weird in its own way too you know I, again uh, I know the the lift that the players get um, from from the Connacht clan and and from from the supporters and I know how tricky it is for, for opposition teams to come to Connacht and um, and, and to hear that support for, for the men in green. But uh, it's our first game ever at the Aviva Stadium, <laughs> a big old stadium with no one around. It's going to be a bit tricky. I know in the coach's box we're allowed to have we're allowed to have four people, so there's a, one coach has got to miss out as well. Um, can't be in our box. So that's different. You know? So there's a range of things going on there, mate, that, that are different. Andy, I'm going to wish you all the best for the weekend and I'll let you get back to your evening. Thank you very much for taking time out your day to have a chat with me. Good man. Good on you. Enjoyed it. Thanks again, Andy, for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm really looking forward to this weekend's rugby. It's nice to have that bit of normality back after the couple of months we've had. Don't forget everyone to like, share and subscribe to the podcast. Drop me a line if there's anyone else you'd like me to talk to. I'll be back next week. I'm on Splunk on News Talk if you want to hear me speak in Irish on Friday evening. So until then, stay safe, everyone.